Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. Hello and welcome to the Video Game Lounge Podcast, where we aren't here for notes and news. We're here to talk games and drink brews. For this week, I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today, I'm happy to announce we have the same fuckers we have every freaking week you guys listen. Well, every other week. Unless you listen to it every week, which is weird because it comes out bi-weekly, but that's up to you. Alright, so, of course we have the handsome one and the funny one. I'll let those guys fight over which one is which and they can announce themselves. I'm not here. I don't get paid for this, so. I think I'm, I'm funny both. looking, but I'm not <laughs> handsome, so I know it's not me. Joke's on you guys. It was both me. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I think I'm both, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm the, the handsomest or the funniest of the three of us, but I'm definitely in the top two. So <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> of course, I'm Kevin. John, go ahead. Let the people know who you are. Hi, I'm John. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> and of course, Andrew. Hi. the shy and bashful one we all love him for his quirks yep but thanks for again for joining us this week uh if you guys listened to us on the last episode we talked about our top 10 through 6 favorite video game characters and there may have been some weird ones on there may have been some ones that you guys probably guessed but give it a listen it's a great episode of course uh we have to say that we recorded it but i do think it was a it was a very good recording a very good episode but of course before we get ahead of ourselves We've got to start the age-old tradition of what are you drinking? So, Andrew, what are you drinking today? Well, what have you been drinking? Uh, I've been drinking all day. We've actually been going to a few different local breweries, and uh, I'm about five sours deep. So right now, I, I just have a homemade mojito because I uh, too many sours make the tummy all gurgly. So you know, I've I've got my nice little uh, homemade mojito, which I do different because I'm weird. I have it with tequila instead of rum. I, was, I thought you were going to say like grass instead of a mint. <laughs> <laughs> it gets that local texture. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. John, what about you? I know you were saying you had something special planned for tonight. So, I am drinking because I have a second child now at home. My wife finally gave birth to our uh, our daughter, baby girl. Um, Mazel tov. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. So, we now have one of each, uh, and we're done. As previously stated on an episode, I got snipped. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, my boys. Um <laughs> So, what I am drinking tonight, I have finally hopped on to the Angry Orchard uh, bandwagon here. You guys have been talking a lot about it. So, I have decided to get the Green Apple, which is really good. Uh, encapsulates the bitterness of a Green Apple, but also still very sweet. I don't know how much of the deets we have given on Angry Orchard, but it is a 5%. And uh, Angry Orchard is mostly brewed in New York, but you can get it pretty much everywhere in the United States now. So appreciate the recommend there, fellas. Another one off my list. It's good it's shit. It's angry. It's angry. <laughs> Funny enough, I got some green apple in uh, my fridge in the garage. 
It's a it's a good it's a good flavor. Yes, it's yeah. got that little like tartness to it. Yeah, but it's like it's it's weird to explain. It's like sweet and sour sauce in your Chinese food. Like it's <laughs> sweet, but it's sour. But it's sweet, but it's sour. <laughs> well, because a lot of them have that. Uh, because it's a green apple, it gives that uh, that tart crispness. Like the red apples have its own crispness, but the green apples have that sour tart crispness that was definitely conveyed in that Angry Orchard. It's good stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And I tell you what, man, as soon as I popped the top on this, I was like, holy shit, the aroma on this is enough to just, like, <laughs> it, I'm just sitting here, like, smelling in between my sips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. I got to edit out some sniffs on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> is John Huffin paint? No, it's just his green apple angry orchard. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Kev, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with what I'm drinking with a little story. All right. Me, when me and my wife got married, um, we went to Ireland for our honeymoon, and we went to this really nice uh, liquor store, liquor store slash cigar shop. Uh, not much of a cigar smoker, but I love you know whiskey, so I thought Ireland probably had some good whiskey. And my family's actually from West Cork, Ireland, so. We got, well, I got uh, this very expensive, great bottle of West Court single malt Irish whiskey that's been aged 12 years in a sherry uh, cask. And I've only drinking it one time. And the one time I drank it was when I found out I retired from uh, working at the prison. Big, big moment. I was very stressed out the entire time. I didn't know if I was going to get it. I didn't know what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Like, very stressful time. So whenever I got it, I gathered my friends around, let them know, celebrated with Joe, and I finally got to drink this thing. And that was mm, three years ago, I think. So tonight, I'm drinking that. And that's because me and Joe found out that Joe was pregnant. Hell fucking yeah, <laughs> dude. Mazel tov. Again, mazel tov. That's Thank awesome, you. bro. Thank you. That's so good. So, Congratulations, man. Thank you. You so, are about to endure the hardest <laughs> job you'll ever love. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. So me and Joe haven't, uh, by the, when we're recording this episode, we haven't told uh, our families yet. We're actually going next week to to tell them. We got pictures of our dogs with little bandanas that say like big sister. That's cool. So we're sending those out. We're going to go visit my dad and her dad and her mom and stuff like that. So it's very exciting times, but wanted to share it with, you know, the listeners. These guys didn't know. So I figured I'd, yeah, I'd give, a little, give a little surprise to them as well on the podcast. So you guys are hearing their True emotions. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry for the heavy baby intro, but, you know, these are very important moments in our lives, and we want to share it with you guys, listeners. Let's go moving past that. We'll go into the next segment of, Andrew, what have you been playing? What's been occupying your time the most uh, since we last talked on this recording podcast thing? You just got pulled, pulled. So the last few weeks I've been, uh, I, I've actually just been busy this last week. I was doing a lot of overtime and on call, so I haven't been able to play much. Um, you know, I do like, I'm starting to get into Warzone again a little where there was a brief stint where I just wasn't all that interested in it. it just started <coughs> to Shit die game. Down. <coughs> sorry. Sorry. You can't play well. <laughs> so I've been, uh, I've also been playing, you know, this, the staple of Genshin Impact and, uh, they just released their 2.0 update 
and I have been super stoked, and I've been trying to play that. Um, that came out basically Wednesday night into Thursday. Of course, there's plenty of people that have been playing that and have already like rushed it and don't really savor it. I've been savoring it, savoring parts of the map, savoring the storylines, and just like the whole new map, all storylines, characters. Like it's 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 fun. Now, what's what's new to two point Like Aloy's coming horizon babe so previously there have been uh that in the story you're you're finding your long lost sibling uh that you somehow got separated in your travels and you have slight amnesia as to who you are that's the basis of the thing come to find out that you are in an area of people that can do magic and the people that can do magic are said to have visions and they are blessed by the gods and there are seven different elements, and there's a god to each element. Well, so far, you've been able to travel into the realm of two of the gods. And now that 2.0 finally came out, you're able to go to a whole new section of map and finally like go to the realm of one of the third gods. So this, this got some longevity to it. Oh, yeah. And there's been... a. Uh, like it's really picked up with its fan base and everything um for it to be able to be played on PC as well as you know mobile and PlayStation and one of the newest updates because people have been trying to leak teasers and and whatnot for the what's upcoming that the company Mihoyo has actually decided to beat the leakers and release the things ahead of time like yeah Hey, we we had the secret we were gonna bring out, but uh, you know, why keep it a secret if someone's already gonna just blab about it? So one of the things, as John was saying, was there's going to be a PlayStation exclusive character of a Cryo Ice bow user that's going to be just like Alloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, and she looks awesome. Do you play it on PlayStation? I play it on PS4. Okay, so you wouldn't have to worry. Like I was worrying if like you played on mobile. It's PlayStation exclusive. Does your shit carry over or stuff like that? So they're they're eventually going to have that cross platform. Uh, like your stats will carry over and whatnot, and you'll be able to carry over into PC if you were originally on PlayStation or mobile or whatnot. I think the well, I think it's all already like a cross platform for like mobile and PC, but it's PlayStation as a console that it isn't carrying over yet. But that's going to be coming up soon. So, so Aloy is a god. Aloy is a character who has uh, blessings of the cryo god to have mm. the ice vision. Vision is just being, you have the power of ice. Yeah. She's got that long red hair. It does it for you, doesn't it? I mean, oh. I'm, I'm not saying you would, but I'm just saying you, you, you would. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. enough. John, what about you, man? What do you what do you have you haven't had time to play games? Dude, I really I haven't had much time to play, especially in the last week. Um, because uh baby girl is three days old. Solitaire in the waiting room. 
pretty much. I, w- I was playing a lot of Magic the Gathering Arena. I built a pretty solid uh, mono blue mill deck. It's a budget deck, though. Like, I didn't have enough of the wild cards for what I really needed. So it's a very <laughs> it's a very plain Jane mill deck. Um, but I, w- I was playing with that. I, I will say I, I did reach platinum level. I put that in the Discord. Um, so as you play, like, ranked, um, it starts bronze, then silver, then gold, platinum, diamond, and then mythic. And my deck is definitely not strong enough to get those top two tiers. But I was using a combination of a red-green gruel deck, which I paid a lot for in wild cards. Uh, got a couple of planeswalkers and some rares and shit. Like, And now I have like no wild cards, so I need to start opening some more packs. But I'm using that deck and then a black and white angel deck that is in between the two I got to the platinum level. And I've been so scared to play on the platinum level because... In bronze, silver, and gold, a win gets you two points, and you need six points to get to the next level. Um, but in platinum, you only get one, and then if you lose, then you also lose one. So I'm like, I got the platinum, I'm going to sit on it until the season ends, reap my rewards, and then I'll start anew. Like that's, <laughs> I'm just kind of kind of gaming the system. Before. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we've, all played, we've all played Magic. What, uh, what's everyone's least favorite color? For me, it's always been blue because it's the strongest. Like if, if I'm playing a mono blue deck and someone like, like like against a mono blue deck and someone's got a shit ton of cancels and unsummons and then flying creatures that do shit. Like blue is that color that's got like one mana or two mana creatures that do shit. Like extra flying draws or draw flying. cards. Yes, and... yes. Yeah. So blue has always been my nemesis. That's why I'm I like kicking ass with this blue mill deck um <laughs> right now. I always felt like white. Yeah. Like I always like white green is my favorite combination. Um and then uh green. I was gonna red. say I always felt like white was the uh the the more cheating color because uh, all of the, the health regens that you can get as well as the flying creatures and the clerics that can bring back health and the the angels that can come around with flying and village it, vigilance. Vigilance. See, see, it got you at first, too. <laughs> Sounded out. Hookie don, ha Working for me. Uh, how about you, Kev? What's your least favorite color? It's always been white. Like, I, I always found white yeah. decks just so boring. Like, I don't know if it was, like, the art style or just, like, what the characters did or anything. It was just, like, you know, blue had the cool magic. Red, you can get the quick draws out and do all the flame yeah, stuff. Yeah, direct damage. Uh, yeah, black was always the, you know, the... Undead. You know, do damage to yourself to increase the damage you output and stuff like that. Or get extra draws and graveyard manipulation, shit like that. Green was always, like, getting out big-ass armies. Like, white just seemed like just a very boring deck to me. I haven't played too much white, and I haven't played very, against very much white, so that might be why, but... I don't know, just everything about it just seemed off-putting to me as far as, like, I don't really want to collect these, I want to collect the cool ones, you know? Yeah. But, um, getting back into what I've been playing, so that's what I was playing in the hospital, um, and then leading up to that, what I was playing since we last recorded has just been a metric shit ton of Ghost of Tsushima. God, that game is so fucking good. Kev, I really, sincerely can't wait for you to start playing it. It is... It is top-notch, man. Really is. Um, I mean, Last of Us Part Two is definitely my game of the year for last year. Um, but, man, Ghost is right up there. It is so good. The gameplay, story, the map, everything. 
is like top tier. The music is incredible too, man. Um, so I finally got off the first island and I'm on the second part of the island going around doing just more of the story shit. And God, I, I'm such a badass with this damn katana now. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. Uh, you, and like just leveling up your skills and shit. Like it's, it's cool. Well, what I really like is you have different stances. Uh, you unlock stances for your swords and you can uh, like hold your the right trigger button and then map it to circle x square and triangle for your different enemies so like right trigger and circle is for shield uh right trigger and x is for like regular guys with swords and then you have guys with spears and then you have like your brutes like your heavy armored guys and then there's different skill sets for each guy it's it's pretty fucking cool no i'm, I'm definitely excited to play it and the more you talk about it the more i'm like i've got it i've got to play this game that's why yeah. i own it it's just in plastic yeah so that's that's what I've been up to, what I've been playing. So how about you, Kev? What do you got? Just continuing the Final Fantasy grind, man. Like, yeah, man. Let's see. I think I'd be, be Final Fantasy VIII on the 5th of July. And I've been playing Final Fantasy IX since the 6th of July. <laughs> so you can kind of see what the hell's been going on. So I've been playing that. I'm on disc. I think I just got to disc three. Uh, so the world hasn't opened up yet I, I kind of don't consider it opened up until you get like an airship per se or some kind of submarine whatever's in the game and you know playing through so many final fantasies and i'm sure we'll discuss this in a later episode but i, I wanted to say that final fantasy 13 gets a lot of hate for it being like a hallway simulator yeah very linear i mean and that was that was a lot of the knocks on 10 as well 10 is very linear yeah well i was gonna say playing through one through nine, like not so much one through six, maybe. Well, maybe one through five, but like six, seven, eight, nine. The beginning, like you can get 15 hours, 20 hours into the game and you're not able to do much. It's go to this town, talk to the people, go to this cave, do that. Then you get something that allows you to progress, so on and so forth. Yeah. So it may not be a hallway per se. And maybe that's why 13, because 13 was literally. You can look on the map, and it was like, here's one hallway, and it's shaped like a worm, and you had to follow, like, that. you couldn't go anywhere else. And then, mm -hmm. maybe because the open world for 13 was also so very tiny, because it was like just one little plains that you can go to. I don't know. I'm excited to go back to 13. I just want to say, I feel like it, it might have gotten a bad rep, and I'll, maybe I'll feel different when I get to 13 in a few months. But as far as 9 goes, I'm having a lot of fun with 9. I still stand by the card game, and that is terrible. It is abysmal because because of the RNG aspect. In Final Fantasy VIII, they had numbers. If you had a higher number, you won. In Final Fantasy IX, they have damage, they have different types of attacks, and they have different types of defense. And if your card is higher, you have a higher chance of winning, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win that battle because like, they have little arrows on the side of the cards and They'll right. battle, and it's just, it's literally just random. Uh, like, you, if you have a high defense in physical, and the person is a physical attacker, of course, you should win, but you don't always, and you could lose some really good cards. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm still playing the shit out of the card game, and I have no idea why, because it has nothing to do with the achievements, um, has nothing to do with anything of the game, like, there's no reason to play, but I keep playing it, and still having fun, and the story is fun, so... 
not of the card game. There's no card game. There's no story in the card game, but story of nine is really good. So that's pretty much all I've been. Oh, wait, I did play Mario versus Rabbids on the Switch. Finally, that game came out uh, originally on the Switch. It reminds me of Fire Emblem. That's such a funny comparison. I mean, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Well, not so much Fire Emblem, maybe more XCOM, which is still a funny comparison because XCOM is like about Marines and aliens. Yeah, and that's a turn turn based game. <laughs> that's what Mario's that's what Mario vs. Rabbids is. It's a turn based. Oh, okay. It's literally you go like you're Mario, you have an alien gun, you have rabbits that are dressed up, like in the beginning you have one dressed up as Peach, one dressed up as Luigi. They have guns. And you can like have separate levels that you can go on and you can go behind uh cover and you have limited movements. And you do your turns, and then the enemy does their turns, and there's percentages to hit, there's percentages to do criticals. Like, it's insane how good this game is. Like, I remember watching the, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the reveal. The guy who made it broke down crying at how, like, proud he was uh, watching the reveal. And, like, I get it. It's his life's work. But everyone shit on it because it's rabbits. But honestly, like, if you haven't tried it, give it, give it its fair shake. Just go into it not expecting much. And you'll become out pleasantly surprised. Like, it's a really fun game. So I've been playing that on the side, but mostly Final Fantasy IX. The Rabbids itself, like, whenever they first came out with the Wii, they were just silly. But they it was fun games. And li- little mini games and different things. You remember the, the masturbation carrot game? Yes, where you're trying to shoot carrot juice into the snorkels of uh, the ones trying to attack you on the beach. Now, John looks like he has a question. Excuse me? <laughs> All right, so what? there's this game. Andrew, do you remember what the game was called? Uh, Ra- Raven Rabbids. Raven Rabbids. Okay, so Raven Rabbids was like Mario Party. Okay. It yes. was on the, but except it had the rabbit characters. And you, it was on the Wii, so everything was motion control. And there was this one game where you had like a pump. You're at like a dock bar. Yeah. So you're 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 at like the on the Caribbean and you have like this the shore dock bar that um you have a drink and you have like a juicer and this and that and then you have these rabbits that are coming up out of the water with snorkels and goggles. And if you if if you don't know about the rabbits, the rabbits are basically like the minions of Despicable Me. Except, you know, cartoonish and you know, video game-ish. Like I mean Despicable Me is cartoonish, yeah, but still. Bello. The same thing, just different. So the, the the main how you played this one particular mini game, and the thing is, you could you had to get like stars. Like if you did did it for like thirty seconds, you got one star. You did it for a minute, you got two stars. You did it for two two minutes, you got three stars or something like that. And literally the controls where you had the Wiimote in the right hand and you aimed the carrot juice at the rabbits, uh, and you had to fill up their snorkels. While the nunchuck, you literally just shook up and down vigorously. And if you stopped, then your carrot juice would get not not shoot as far and it would start like, you know, tripping down some. So you had to start shaking harder and you had to shoot these these rabbits in the face. So you're just you're you're directing the the location and the ferocity of your load. Well, it's yes. carrot juice. <laughs> carrot juice, but that's that's what it is. 
Andrew, how long did we play that game? That one specific mini game? How how many hours did we sink into that game? I don't know if you should answer that question. <laughs> Mr. Sean was there. He can attest to if, it. If you think about it this way, it was like Mario Party, like Kevin said. So there are a bunch of mini games. So that game didn't always come up, but it did. <laughs> oh, it came up all right. That's what she said. I wonder if my parents ever walked in because we already played it on my house. I wonder if my, my like my dad came in and like he goes to the door to open it and all he hears is like squeaking of the bed as we're trying to like shake the fucking Wiimote because we're sitting on the bed and he's like, you know what? I don't want to know and he just walks out. Wait, so Mr. Sean was there, so we're at three guys, one controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's the summer, so it's balls hot. And we're just sweating. We're teenagers. We barely know what the fuck deodorant is. We're just sweating in there, just vigorously shaking this nunchuck, trying to shoot some carrot juice in a rabbit's face, man. That was that was like two weeks, three weeks. I forgot how long we played that game, but we spent so many hours on that, that fucking yeah. game. Oh, my God. I don't know how we get into the topic after this, but... <laughs> So my top five through one favorite characters are all the rabbits that got loads to the face. Shout out to the real MVPs. The one that took it in the snorkel, the one that was dressed up like a princess, the one that was dressed up like a pineapple. No, of course. Of course, what you guys are here for are not carrot juice loads to the face. That's not this website. That website starts with a P and ends with a horn hub. Please go there if you need to after this podcast or during. You can pause this. That's fine. What we're here to discuss today, besides that, and babies, and drinking, is gaming, and particularly characters. We're going to continue our top 10 favorite characters by going through our number 5, all the way down to our number 1 pick, whoever the hell that may be. Why don't we have mm, John start us out? Ooh, alright. So, excited to talk about this one. Really excited to talk about all of them, actually. So, my number 5. We already alluded to it already. She's been mentioned previously already in this episode, but it is your favorite red-haired heroine. It is Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, She makes my number five because absolutely incredible story of Horizon Zero Dawn, and she kicks ass and takes names of every single fucking robot dinosaur (laughs) in Horizon Zero Dawn. But her character evolves in a way throughout that story and even the DLC that I just absolutely love. Um, Playing as her character, seeing her like literally, well, maybe not be born, but as a newborn with um, um, seeing her as uh, a newborn with Rost and then like kind of the whole naming ceremony. My favorite like kind of moment in the, in the, in the game is where she's doing her training montage before the proving and you see her as a little kid and she jumps off the platform and she rolls. And then as she comes up from her role, she's now the 19-year-old Aloy that you play with. It's so fucking good. Love it. But I love throughout the game that you kind of have moments where like you're kind of playing a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect game where you can affect how she says something. And all three responses kind of can be Aloy. Kind of like with Geralt and Witcher 3, like your responses, whether you care for a person or kill a person, can all kind of still be within the the realm of what that character embodies. Um, So I I love that. It was an incredible game, incredible experience. Um, I made sure to make as many friends as I, I possibly could in the game so that when I got to the ending, like boss fight, 
everyone that I had befriended was there, and I got a bunch of extra loot and weapons and shit. It was freaking awesome. So, uh, yeah, Aloy is my number five. So, Andrew, how about you? Who is your number five? Thanks for the spoilers. I almost didn't remove my headphones in time. Anyway, my number five is from the Borderlands games, and he's Claptrap. Because Claptrap, if you've ever played any of the Borderlands games, is the hilarious comedy relief. And anytime that you're actually going through or uh, need a tutorial or need to go to the next part, yes, sometimes you could be annoying. But just the off-the-cuff, off-the-wall stuff that he says, and it, I just always found it hilarious. And I mean, he's your... He's your intro. He's your Navi to to start out the whole um, the scenario each time. Uh, Borderlands one, Borderlands two, three, and each time you go through, it's like, oh yeah, we used to have another hunter, but uh, well, we don't see him much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you go ahead and take the place, and it just claptrap always made the game a little lighter. And I mean, yes, the the game was cartoony and uh, a little bit, and it, the the pastels in it were a little brighter, but th- there was a lot of malicious parts to that game too. And Claptrap just made that game very enjoyable for me, and like made me want to just uh you know keep playing. Not did you know that uh, in the movie they're making Kevin Hart's supposed to play Claptrap? Are they just gonna put a like a um, a Pop Tarts box on them and let them run around? Yep, exactly. There's gonna be no editing whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick uh, what's his name, uh, McShooty McShoot Face or something like that in, in, in Borderlands. <laughs> Shoot me in the face <laughs> with your carrot. <laughs> <laughs> no. Different game, but I would definitely shoot him in the face with a carrot. He asked for it. But yeah, basically, uh, even though my top 10 through 6 were mostly about characters that have like a progression and a development, I mean, some of my top 5 are going to be more of like who I have greatly enjoyed more than anything. I'm excited to hear what you got, because we all... We all kind of kept these hidden from each other, you know, so we're going to hear these firsthand. Uh, like no, my number five, uh, I don't know if you guys played much Half-Life. I know we talked about the orange box, uh, but mine's definitely Alex from Half-Life 2 and so on. Uh, I have not played the Half-Life Alex game. I own it. I'm super excited to play it. Just haven't had time to uh, play it. Was he the one on the picture with uh, the, the crowbar and the mustache? Yep, that's him. Nice. Yep. He's got glasses too, right? Yep. Yep. That's that's definitely Alex Vance, the chick from Half Life Two. That's her. The dude with the mustache on the cover. Now Half Life Alex. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex Vance. Uh, you meet her in Half Life Episode Two. And I think the reason why I love her so much is because she wasn't like your typical uh, girl in video games. She wasn't like in distress or anything. You know, plenty of games have done it, uh, but I feel like they just I don't know, they, they they did such a good job with her character development, and I guess because, you know, Gordon doesn't talk, the main character of Half-Life, they had to 
flesh out the story through her. So I feel like she was a way better character than Gordon because Gordon's just the, you know, the mute character you play. So you're going through a story, but, you know, there's there's a point in Half-Life uh, where Alex gets to play with uh, her robot that she built named Dog. And that's when you get the portal gun and she teaches you how to use that. And it's, it's just so fun watching her interact with the robot. And then later on in the story, just, you know, what she goes through. I don't want to spoil it too much because it is a, it's an old game, but it's a very good game. No, definitely, definitely Alex, Alex Vance from Half-Life 2 is very, very well flushed out character that I think just has great character development. And that's, that's kind of what mine more goes towards my top five. Not, not so much, uh, you know, how they impacted me, just what I thought was truly a, a flushed out character. Nice. All right, so I'll hop in here with my number four. Now, this character that I'm going to bring up, you he got a whole trilogy to himself in this series, and he got to see his, like, literal birth. Um, and then his whole story was fleshed out over three games and a couple of um, uh, DLC, like, videos and stuff. But I'm going with my favorite assassin, Ezio Adatore da Firenze, from Assassin's Creed 2. I butchered that Italian, but you can at me later, bitches. Yeah, I said it. Anyway, um, so yeah, you get to start as Ezio, like as a baby, you get to see his like literal birth, and then his maturation into what is eventually the master assassin, the the rebuilding of the assassin's brotherhood and stuff like that. And man, Assassin's Creed Two, I is already a um, just a staple as far as video games is are concerned, and I think there's been no better game, at least in my humble opinion, that was a absolute better game and better installment and just a huge jump for a series than Assassin's Creed 2 over Assassin's Creed 1. Now, I have mentioned Assassin's Creed a bunch so far in the course of this podcast. I am a huge advocate for Assassin's Creed 1. I absolutely love Altair and that whole story. But man, Assassin's Creed 2 just straight up out of the gate knocks your socks off, man. You can swim the day-night cycle uh, and and all that stuff, man. And, and the story is just so engrossing. It's 14th century, you're, you're, you know, Renaissance Italy, and you go to places that you want to see at that time. You know, um, you're in Venice and you're in Florence. It's, it's incredible. But Ezio's journey through that entire experience, uh, losing his brother and his or brothers and his father, and uh, then having to take up the mantle of assassin and Going back to Mario, his uncle's name is Mario. There's that even there's that reference when his uncle saves him as they're fleeing uh, Florence, where he's like, "It's a me, a Mario." <laughs> there's even that reference in there. But dude, Ezio is just the baddest fucking assassin. And then to, then to play him later on in Brotherhood, when you can the ability to call down assassins has got to be one of the coolest. I was about to say. Coolio. Coolio. There we go. Um, one of the coolest game mechanics ever. Like to train them to 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 get them, to train them, and then to bring them into combat with you. Absolutely one of the coolest game mechanics ever. I absolutely love it. Um so yeah, Ezio Auditori is my number four. Absolutely love his whole character arc in the Assassin's Creed games. So Andrew, we'll throw it back over to you. What's your number four, bro? So my number four actually goes back to old Sega Genesis games. And one of my 
favorite games has to be Shining Force. And I remember playing that when I was just a kid. I remember that playing that with my dad. And that was the real the real game that got me into the strategy turn-based um just like how you were saying before uh with like XCON and whatnot. It it, it really got me into that dynamic of game and the intro party, the one of the main party members that you get from the very beginning is I'm gonna butcher this because some people are gonna say it either way. Teo Tao and she is a fire mage. And when I say that I actually like growing up, I would put the hero in front to protect her and let her attack at a distance because I did not want anything to happen to her. Teo was my girl. I, I think it's pronounced Teow. Teow. <laughs> Teow. Wow. Teow. Teow. Wow. <laughs> but um, from from the very beginning, from having just like level one blaze to having level four blaze, like it was uh, wherever I went, I I had her side by side with the hero almost every time. It was like I identified with the hero, and Teo was my girlfriend. And it was that was my like you know eight-year-old thoughts on romance but uh eight what eight come on okay so full disclosure <laughs> i mean you're gonna understand this and you're gonna it, it all makes sense now she had red hair i'm just saying it it wasn't eight it might have been like teens it might have been in teens but maybe not eight <laughs> Okay, well, whenever I got it for Sega, I got the Sega Genesis around the age of six or seven. But I'm saying it. I don't you know, know when it, we got you know I know I played it plenty <laughs> of times, so it may have been a, one of these several replays that I did more towards my teens. That could have been it, but just because. It, shut up, uh, Kevin. <laughs> so, so what's your you, number four? So, so were you <laughs> wanting to squirt your carrot juice on her? <laughs> how do you think? How do you think she got the red hair? Yeah, I thought she did. Oh, how do you think she did? Uh, <laughs> I thought she. I thought my favorite character did have red hair. Oh no! Well, when you guys start talking about it, it's like I'm second guessing myself. Being like, how many three sheets to the wind? You are correct. She has very, very red hair. It's like fire truck red. All right, so my number four uh, is from a very great game series that has unfortunately fell by the wayside. Ubisoft is just doing nothing with. Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell. Uh, he's had he's been in God knows how many fucking games. He said uh, it's got to be in the teens, I'd imagine. But it starts out with him in the third echelon, and just continues out throughout his life. He, you know, you, you find out about his wife's death, you find out about his daughter's death, you figure out that uh, you know the people that hired him were part of it. He gets fired. He ends up having to go undercover and join the bad guys. Then you can pick in the game which side you choose, depends on the ending. So you can, you got that like kind of like timeline split. Then he goes uh, freelance slash mercenary kind of thing because he, that's when he finds out, you know, that the people he worked for are actually terrible now. And it's just, just seeing him age and grow as this story progresses is so awesome to watch because he starts out, uh, I forgot how long he's been in Third Echelon, but he, like the first game, just I think it was the very beginning because I think he had a 
do the training cycle, either he came back and do the training cycle. You go on an assassination that first mission um, in that game, if I remember correctly. Like, I, I feel so bad because I never went past the first game of that series. And man, it is fucking awesome. That, that's, that first game is incredible. They keep getting, like, there, there are some stinkers, but there are some really good ones. Pandora Tomorrow is really good. That was on the Xbox, I think. Um, the Undercover Agent one, uh, I think it was called Double Agent, was really good. They, they kept on adding new items to use. They kept on using new elements. But it's, it's, it's a really great game, but it also just has, like, Sam Fisher is a really cool character, and you feel bad for the guy, all the shit he goes through, and he's he's literally just trying to serve his country and do what he thinks is right, and he just gets fucked every single time. And going through the series and then going through again, you know what to expect, and it hurts so much more knowing what to expect, and... It it has to happen if you want the story to progress. If you don't want it to progress, you just got to turn the game off. And you just, you just feel bad for him. So, Sam Fisher from uh, Splinter Cell, my number four. Highly suggest playing any of the games. I got to say, Sam Fisher has one of the coolest looks. Like, with the, the three, like, the triangle, the three green lights. You know what I'm talking about? But the thing is, how, like, it, I know this has been memed to death. How does he never get fucking caught? He's in the dark. He's in the shadows. And, and you see uh, three green lights. <laughs> oh, and don't forget, when you turn them on, it goes, boing, boing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, do you think Do you think they came out with the goggles? And like, I'm assuming it's like some kind of James Bond thing. And the guy goes up to who I'm assuming is R because Q is over in James Bond lab. And he's like, you know, these are really good night vision goggles. But can <laughs> that you, was a very good joke, by the way. <laughs> but can you, can, you, uh, can you put lights on them so they glow in the dark? And and when I turn them on, they're too quiet. How do I know if they're on? Well, he's like, well, they're they're working. He's like, no, 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 no. Can we can we do like a startup sound, please? And they they got to go through like another month of testing just to get the sound right because he keeps on rejecting. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want some kind of jingle. Nah, that's stupid. All right, I want I want when they're in the shadows about to get their neck snapped. I want them to have some kind of traumatizing event so they can. If I don't kill them, you know, they have spook stories where they hear just. I want a, I want a high pitch sound so all the enemies know I'm here. <laughs> it's okay. They're all over 30. They won't hear it anyway. <laughs> That'd be like like in Metal Gear Solid, like if all of the uh, soldiers could hear the <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Snake came into a room. <laughs> what if that's what Fox Die did? Like it actually produced the uh, little exclamation point above their head? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like naomi gets undressed in front of snake for the first time and he goes boink and he's like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> oh man see what they never had to do in splinter cell is actually turn off the goggles but there was a preset noise for that too and it was the windows <laughs> shutting down yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right all right well Listeners and fellas, you guys know what time it is. It's time for number three. And you knew we couldn't get through a podcast without me bringing up one of my favorite video game series of all time. You already know it. Say it with me. Uncharted. Yes, it is your boy, Nathan Drake. Um, What else can be said about Nathan Drake? Um, Other than he's uh, the most likable mass murderer of all time. Um. <laughs> but it's not he's, wrong. 
he's he's smart he's quippy he's fun his progression through all four games and how really each game is kind of a its own like solo adventure but there are things that tie into each game going forward and man the the culmination of the events at the end of uncharted 4 the a thief's end absolutely incredible it is a must play game and i for me even though that game came out in 2016 that game is still one of the most beautiful games I've ever played on PS4. Uncharted 4 is absolutely fucking gorgeous. And Lost Legacy might even be a little bit better than that, like, graphic-wise. But I digress. Nathan Drake, he's, he's quippy, he's funny. Just, you can't say anything, you know, else about Nolan North and the portrayal that he did and the, excuse me, the motion capture. Because uh, they, they recorded all of his lines... Or like at least most of your your cutscenes that you see in the game are done um, in a motion capture volume, and then you know they go back and redo the lines via ADR. But man, Nathan Drake, such a fun character. He's he's lovable. Um, you just need to get past the fact that he kills about three hundred people in every game. <laughs> it's probably it's probably why Naughty Dog decided to change up the demeanor and the the style of their games between Uncharted and The Last of Us, because in The Last of Us, your kills matter, <laughs> whether it's against the Raiders or the, the uh, you know, the infected in that game. Hey, man, I got to level up my unlockables for each of those weapons, so those guys got to die. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, the, the guns do get better. Kevin, I know you were shitting on the AK uh, earlier when we were talking about your playthrough uh, in previous episodes, but... um. I promise the gameplay does get better and the gunplay does get better. Yeah, that was that was like on par with the club in Goldeneye for N64. Sure. That, they are abysmal. But yeah, Nathan Drake, my god, man, such a lovable character. Um and I, I will shout out Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. A lot of people slept on that game and it didn't get as high as reviews as Uncharted 2. For me, it's my favorite out of the first three games. I mean, it does so many things that are absolutely amazing. The set pieces, you're you're on a plane that's crashing over the Rubalkali Desert, and you get to play the whole plane crash sequence. You're escaping a burning uh, chateau in France. You're on a cruise ship that's sinking, and then you have to escape while killing guys. Like The set pieces in Uncharted 3, absolutely amazing. Play the whole series. I'm speaking to both of you assholes. I'm just kidding. You know, You know I love you. You guys aren't assholes. Well, unless you're spewing carrot juice everywhere. But um, I digress. So, my number three, Nathan Drake. Pass it over to Andrew. What you got, bro? So, my number three goes back to a game that basically me and Kevin grew up on. It was uh, We've had a lot of uh, time spent into it, a lot of uh, books read, games played, interactions. And that's with the Master Chief of the halo series and i'm gonna throw cortana in that too because they're they're a pair they're one in one they had their own like dynamics of character development but i mean if you were to read the book and thank you for letting me borrow it kevin i think i still have it and you actually figure out the uh where master chief came from where his backstory is how he grew up how he became a soldier how he was in that soldier mindset for longest time and people are soldiers are soldiers and people are people and i'm just here to kill the covenant and 
then there's so much more that he has to deal with. And he always has that, like, that stoic voice about it that always makes it seem like it's not very personal or whatnot. But the way that he has to deal with more and more throughout the game, and he actually dives in and has attachments with Cortana, and he actually becomes less of just a a rock, and he starts to develop into this caring relationship with the AI that has been running with him, that has been help, assisting to keep him alive, and to finish the fights, and just the way that they have developed over the series. It was just, I loved it. It's fantastic. It, it's Sometimes it's cheesy whenever you try to keep the same characters going, or you try to figure out a storyline for them to progress in, but I enjoyed each of the parts of what they had to deal with, what they had to go through. And then like, you know, finding out that Cortana spoiler only has, you know, so much time of a, a life remaining because AIs deplete over what, seven years. And well, I'm not going to let you die. Master Chief wants to try to save his AI and, and just, I loved it. I I love their character progression. I loved playing as them. And yes, that goes with, you know, the game itself and my enjoyment and love of the game. But the character progression of those two, I I found top notch. That is my number three. Dude, the the book, uh, especially the first one, I think it's The Fall of Reach, is so fucking good. It starts out with uh, when Master Chief was just a little boy and how he got picked. And it goes through all the trials and tribulations he had as a kid of like how many of his brothers and sisters died going through this. And there's, there's one part that I really love in the first book. It's when it was one of the times where they had just gotten all these like enhancements, all these kind of like drugs coursing through their veins that are supposed to give them enhanced strength, enhanced speed and stuff like that. And, you know, they're outcasts, because, you know, they're on a Marine base and the Marines think they're badass and they think they're just a bunch of science experiments. So he goes to a gym and goes to like the bench press or something and goes to bench, you know, his normal weight. And he's like, this is really tiny. And he like puts on like another hundred pounds or something and does it with ease. So he checks like the gravity or whatever. And then he uh, dropped the pin and the pin seems slow to him because his, his like, Senses are heightened. Yeah, senses are so heightened. Like, even things around him are moving slower. So then these, like, four Marines come in, and one guy does a bench press, and the plates slide off because the pin's gone, so they want to fight Master Chief, and he ends up whooping their fucking ass. It's such a good part of that goddamn book. Like, it's so good. Uh, man, I, I've gone back and reread that book, like, four or five times. Um. Okay, three questions. One... Because I am not a, uh, I I'm not a an Xbox player. So Master Chief is he human, like from Earth yes. or yes? Okay, cool. There's one down. Um, two. You mentioned Halo Reach. Is the game based off the book or the book based off the game? How does that work? No, Halo Re- Reach is a planet. Oh. Okay. See, I I know nothing of Halo. Obviously, Halo Reach is a real. I don't want to spoil it. Halo Reach is a very, very good story with a very, very sad ending. 
You're talking about the book or the game? Because wasn't the there game. a game called Halo yep. Reach? Okay. So whenever you get your Xbox, definitely we got to go through the Halo series and you can play Halo Reach. Um, so I don't want to spoil any further than that, but it's a very, very good story. But Reach is a planet. Okay. Third question. Uh, and I, I was going to direct this to Andrew, but I guess both of you guys can answer it. So, uh, Andrew, as it was your number three, because um, we've talked uh, a lot about your multiplayer play with halo which of the experiences did you find was like your favorite the the story with master chief and um what's her name cortana sorry is cortana. That, yeah uh or like the your multiplayer stuff like which or, or can you separate them or is it kind of one just ginormous experience see it's funny because halo was actually one of the campaigns that i enjoyed playing okay and Yes, I loved playing the multiplayer, and it was always like you're just a version of the Master Chief in 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 the Spartan class. But when you played through the storyline, I I actually enjoyed that because there was character progression of other Marines and the story of like you know oh the aliens are invading, what what are, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? How can we tactically as a military? you know, counter this. Well, you Marines go ahead and do your thing. Uh, me and my super strength are going to go try to do something else that is not deemed possible, but we may turn the tides and assist in something mm. that like you guys are getting, uh, y- your ship's getting blown up, but you know, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll deliver their bomb right back to them <laughs> flying through space. Like that's cool. Uh, how, how about you, Kev? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think honestly they're just two completely different things to me like sure the single player especially like I know we talked about this before when me and Andrew played through most of the storyline together it's it's so awesome listening to what's going on and the game gets does a really good job of making you feel like a badass and you definitely feel like a badass when you're fucking kicking ass in multiplayer and I think that just goes for any game the multiplayer is just like it, to me, it's set online multiplayer down its great path that it's on. There was nothing like, I mean, you had GoldenEye, but that was, you know, one TV. You had the split it up, split screen. You had land games, but multiplayer for Halo was just amazing. I remember Andrew would come over to my house and we would just play duos for hours on my TV for Xbox. And it was. It's such, it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. Because there was something definitely different about that multiplayer. And like you said, it felt like it helped pave the way for online multiplayer. Because there were other games that were very strategic, like Rainbow Six, that had their own, like, cuff and their own style for it. But whenever you're going into a, more of a battle royale aspect, Halo was one of the the pioneers that helped to pave the way, I think. Yeah. Now, before, since you don't have any more questions, Sean, before I go to my next one, I'll just say this. In the books, Master Chief suit jerks him off. On to my number three. Uh, we have uh, Captain Price from Modern Warfare series. Yes. Such a great fucking character. Okay, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry. I, I keep interrupting everybody on this episode. Um, I know that I have shit so much on Warzone, but we have discussed the Modern Warfare stories 
the stories are fucking incredible for for the games. Modern Warfare 2 might have the best story, and Captain Price is fucking amazing. Go, Kevin. All right, so, Andrew, I don't know if you want to earmuff this one, because if you eventually play it, you'll, you'll understand me and John's love for this, but there's just, from the first moment you meet Captain Price, so you start playing Modern Warfare, and you have this little, like, obstacle course you have to go through. Yeah. Like, the first thing he says to you is, because you play as John Soap McTavish, which is a great character, by the way. I actually have the... Yes, Soap is yeah. awesome. I have, I think I have, I think it's Modern Warfare 3, I have the night vision goggles that don't go, and they don't light up. <laughs> uh, they do work really well, though. Uh, I have those with Soap's, like, head that came with, uh, I think it was, it was MW2 or MW3. I think it was MW3. But you play as Soap McTavish, and the first thing Price says to you is, what kind of... What the hell kind of name is Soap? <laughs> and it just like sets the precedence of this off the walls character. But besides being like the comedic uh, part of the game, he he goes through so much shit for his country. Yes. In the beginning of Modern Warfare 2, you free him from the fucking gulag and you're going like you're on this uh, submarine. And I remember you finally free him and the whole sub is going down around you yes. and you try and save him. There's. Uh, in Modern Warfare 3, like, he's gone off the rails trying to figure out, like, where these nukes are and who's fucking doing it. So, he is interrogating this uh, arms dealer, and he's in this room with him, and he lets off a gas grenade. He puts on a gas mask, he lets off this gas grenade, and he goes, all right, man, either tell me where uh, this, uh, what this info is, and uh, I'll give you this gas mask, or you don't, and you die. So, he fucking, like, is freaking out. Tells him, toss him the gas mask, shoots him in the face. <laughs> like, he's such a badass. And then, like, in the mo- end of uh, Modern Warfare 2, you figure out one of your allies turned. So he goes on to a one-on-one knife fight, which allows Soap to do the most badass ending of any game, where he whips out this fucking knife and throws it at the bad guy's face. And that's, like, the final part of MW2. Uh, you play as him for the one-shot-one-kill mission. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. John? What are you, uh, yeah. the sniping yeah, yeah, mission? Yeah. Probably, holy fuck, that mission. I could play that mission over and over again. It's yes, so sir. surreal wearing the fucking ghillie suit, having the tanks fucking <laughs> bypass you when the fucking... Dude, that hell- was one of the scariest, most, like, anxiety-filled so, missions. Everyone so would know that. Like, good. God, man, like... Like, seeing what he goes through and the way he just fucking kids around, but then also he has the most serious badass moments. I fucking, yeah. I love him, and I, I wish I could experience him again for the first time. Not sexually, in the game. <laughs> when it's carrot juice again. <laughs> I, I will say, like, the in the Modern Warfare, like, remake from, I don't know, when, when did Warzone come out? 2019 or, or whatever? Yeah. I love the scene when you're with the the British guy uh, from the Piccadilly Circus thing, and you're interrogating the one guy, and you're like, look, uh, like Price goes, all right, you give us the information, we'll set you free, right? And the guy gives you the information, and then Price, you're not playing as him, but you're playing the the British guy. And he's like, all right, shoot him. And the guy's like, what? He's like, yeah, man, this is what the mission calls for. Like, <laughs> you interrogated this guy, he gave you the information, now shoot him. <laughs> and like, if you if you wait long enough and don't shoot him, Price shoots him anyway. I was like, 
Price gives zero fucks, man. (laughs) That's his deal. He's just trying to save the world, man. That's all he's trying to do. Listeners, if you've never played, he's got the most unforgettable look. He's got like this beard that goes into a mustache. (laughs) It's like a handlebar mustache. He's got like mutton chops (laughs) that kind of like work over and... And he's got like this fisherman this hat that he's got pinned, and it's just this weird. It's the weirdest look, but he's such it's a almost badass. Almost like a crocodile Dundee pin of <laughs> up with a fisherman's hat, but he's got this cigar. And <laughs> yes. one of the coolest things was like last year they added him as a character in Warzone that you could play as, and his assassination that was like key to him is. You don't even see anything. Like if you're if your character and you just get all of a sudden get assassinated. You see nothing, and then you see, like, out of the back, like, you see a gun right behind your head, and then he's pop. Yeah, and then he puts his cigar in his mouth. <laughs> Screen pans over, and oh, there's Price, and he's got his uh, cigar, and he just puffs in. Ah, all right, and then you go off to the next thing. Yeah, man. Price is great. That is, that is a great pick, Kev. All right. We will rein it back in, or at least try to. It is us. So, tangents abound. Um... My number two, um, this character is from what is currently my favorite game. You may be asking why he's not number one, but we'll get to number one soon. It is Kratos, specifically from God of War 2018. Now, if you knew nothing, um, God of War 2018 uh, and Kratos, man, just if if you had never played any of the previous games and you only hopped into this game, the... The story arc of Kratos just through this game from 2018 is absolutely incredible. You, I have talked about this previously as far as like story elements go. If you haven't listened to our story element episode and what we like, go back and listen to it. It's a great episode. Episode 2. Check it out. But at the beginning of the game, Kratos and the relationship that he has with his son Atreus, you know, it's obvious there's contextual clues and even verbal clues that he hasn't really been present for much of Atreus's life up to the, this point you know, before you actually go on to the journey that is the game. And then throughout the game, man, there are just so many things that happen between you and Atreus and the people that you meet. Like, the dwarves in this game are the coolest freaking people in the world. But uh, Kratos's maturation and solely kind of becoming less of a god and more human, and Atreus's ability to kind of become less human, more godlike, and kind of how they, they interact and mesh is absolutely incredible. It is my favorite game, uh, you know, as of right now. A Ghost of Tsushima is definitely <laughs> working its ro- its way up my ranks right now because it's so freaking good. But, you know, I talked about this on my favorite moments too, man. When, when you go back, you know, for story elements-wise, when you go back in this game and pick up the, the Blades of Chaos, my God, is that just the most satisfying thing in the world. It is so fucking awesome, and the game knows you feel that way, and I mentioned this on, on our Top Moments episode. Um, you have like a 400-person army, and you just slice through them like freaking a hot knife and butter with the Blades of Chaos, and it's so fucking awesome. But um, the last boss fight, you know, against Balder is fucking awesome. I can't say enough about Kratos. He is one of my favorite characters, even before this game. I just loved his brutality, like... You talk about, a, you know, we were just talking about Captain Price. You talk about a guy who gives zero fucks. That was Kratos, man. He had no problem killing a civilian and spilling their blood on an altar to unlock a door to get some orbs or a treasure or a power or a weapon or whatever. And like Kratos just didn't care. Uh, one of the most brutal video game characters ever. So 
And I absolutely love it. So I will throw it over to Andrew. What is your number two? Uh, that's a pretty good number two, John. Thank you. Uh, my number two goes back to more of a personal favorite of mine. That he ended up being the main character in Fantasy Star 4 for the Sega Genesis. And in the game, you start out where you're this uh, this really awesome woman hunter with her apprentice. And uh, as you're as you go through it, you're trying to go through the story. You're trying to learn what's going on. And there's a very tragic part. Spoiler, it's in the beginning. It's not going to matter that the teacher passes away and the apprentice is the one that ends up being the leader of the group. The leader's name is Chaz. So for years, growing up, my dad would always use his uh, his handle because his name is Charles. He would say Chuck. So all of his game saves were always Chuck, Chuck, this and that. And when he finally played Fantasy Star 4, because mom got it for him for Christmas one year, because he asked for Final Fantasy and she got him Fantasy Star, he played it, he loved it, and he fell in love with the nickname Chaz. So he adopted that, and that became his staple. Every save game was always Chaz. And that is the origin of where I took up the mantle after my father passed away when I was 14, of continuing the name Chaz, because my middle name's Charles, to continue using the name Chaz in all of my handles. Chaz O'Keem, Chaz, like even right now we're on a Zoom call and I see Chaz as my name. Chaz is just the alias that I go by now, and that is the origin of it. And I always will remember that blonde-haired know-nothing apprentice that has to step up in the leadership role and try to save the world and he is my number two i remember you guys having the sega and i know you had nintendo because it was over your grandma's house and we'd go over your grandma's house and play one of your like eight thousand nes games but most of the time i would just stare at burger time like what the fuck is this was he asking for final fantasy like one on the nes I don't know. I think he just heard that Final Fantasy was a good game series to play. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was asking for Final Fantasy. And my mom just heard Fantasy. So she went with Fantasy Star. Because, like, you didn't have a Super Nintendo. At least I don't remember. I remember me having the Super Nintendo and you having the Sega Genesis. We had a Sega for the longest time. And maybe about the time I was, like, 11 or 12... I bought a Super Nintendo at the Civic Center convention. Like, there was a whole thing going on, and I ended up buying a Super Nintendo and uh, Maximum Carnage. That's right. I, I was about to say, I, for some reason, I thought we played Maximum Carnage on the NES, or on the uh, Sega. But, silly me, you fucking had Super Mario RPG, which is a fucking amazing goddamn game. Yes, of, course you had a, yeah, of course you had a Super Nintendo. I just... I just remember, I, I vividly remember the Sega Genesis going over your house and playing NFL 95, mostly. Well, there was a lot of uh, Super Nintendo games that I did not get. They were all over your house. <laughs> there was a very, very small selection of what I actually had of Super Nintendo at my house. That's where I, I mostly stuck with the Sega and Sega CD. Can can we just shout out the Civic Center, like, old school expos? <laughs> Because that's where I got a lot of my damn video games, too, man. Like, they always had 
expos for like the town that we grew up in's like own private E3 where there was just like video game shit for days. It was days. the stadium. It, <laughs> yeah. was, it was where all the <laughs> conventions happened. It was where the the concerts happened. Yeah, WWE went there or at the time it was WWF, but yeah, like that's where all it the concerts where the, happened. People had graduations yeah. for their high schools. That's like, where my gra- uh Yeah, that's where my graduation was. I had to think about it. That's where my graduation was, yeah. Um I don't remember much about the Civic Center because by the time I could like go anywhere, it was pretty much gone. Like I remember we had the <laughs> yeah. the cards I, I remember the card store because I used to play a lot of um uh, card games there and they had some video games i remember they had that karate class mitchell's martial arts i think they had there yeah something like that mitchell's or marshall's something yeah and i barely remember them having a grocery store i think i remember uh at the quarter bubblegum machine of the grocery store but apparently my mom worked there when i was younger or something but I I don't know if it was huh. part time if it was way before she did her like main job or something, but I don't remember much of it all. I just remember that that fucking card store and buying shitload of fucking Pokemon cards, and Andrew probably getting like eight of his fifteen Charizards that he pulled from Pokemon from that one store. <laughs> that store was the heyday for Charizards, <laughs> except for <laughs> except for me where I could pull five Bulbasaur's in one pack. See, I don't remember a lot of stuff from that Civic Center. But I remembered the Super Nintendo that I got, a couple of concerts, and getting food poisoning off of eating the fries. I that was like the only thing that I ate there. And I remembered uh, watching them like slide the fries across the counter. One fell off, and they picked it up and set it back on top. And I was like, mm. "Oh, yummy fries!" Yeah. And then I felt like shit later. For 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 the uninformed, the the Civic Center in the town that we all were born, raised, grew up in, like it was. The biggest venue, but also the most poorly kept and shittiest venue. You could walk it because they also played basketball tournaments and volleyball tournaments and stuff. Like this was the the cafe gym a chapatorium. Like it it just did everything, <laughs> right? But you you could stand in the middle of it and look up and clearly see that like lights were hanging down, like the fixtures had broken. There were missing. Like oh my god, is that about to fall on us? No, yeah. it hasn't fallen in a couple weeks now. It should be fine. There were no less than a hundred missing drop ceiling tiles. Like this was the most poorly <laughs> maintenanced multi-purpose arena, but it could hold like a couple thousand people. And so when you have like little tween freaking guys like us going in there for video games it, it's it's much bigger than it seems but yeah this was the most poorly kept auditorium of all time <laughs> i don't remember it being called the civic center like i know like it's near the Twilly center and stuff like that but my dad always referred it to referred to it as the old mall because we had the new mall which is utter shit now and we have the old mall which i don't think has anything in it Hasn't it been? It was destroyed. The parking lot's still there, but no, it's it's still there. So there was plans for it to go down. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yes, my parents refer to it as the old mall too. Because I must be just a little bit of an age gap enough that I remember there still being stores in there. Yeah, I yes, remember yes. going there my mom to actually there. get uh, skateboard bearings for the wheels. Yeah, so that me and Jimmy could actually skate around heaven whenever i was younger 
but that was we would refer to that as the old mall and then the civic center was across the street well yeah was behind it and across the street yeah like the my mom you know when she was still cutting hair used to work in the old mall and then my dad's store was part of the was one of the og Tooley center stores when the Tooley center was like first opened good times at the fucking old mall yeah dude so i remember going to uh acme one night with my mom oh my god we're in the old beat up van and uh because she was wondering like do you want to go to food lion or do you want to go to acme i was like i want to go to acme so we went to Acme for something. I don't remember what it was. It was just some random food in, in the middle of the night. It was late at night. It was like, well, I mean, for my age, like it was late. It was like nine o'clock. It was dark out. And all of a sudden, like, we're driving in front and we hear this scream, like this, this woman just bloody murder screaming. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell was that? And my mom's like, what, what was that? And she goes into fight or flight mode, but. To my surprise, she went to fight mode and she started driving around and she she finds the lady and she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And like, my purse was just stolen. We're like, what do we do? And she's like, you went that way. He went the direction towards the old mall. I don't remember the navigation like th- through the parking lot. But next thing I know, my mom is driving like around the corner and we're seeing this guy run across the grass towards the old mall and all that area and we can't we don't know if he's armed or not and it's a woman and a child in the van and all of a sudden she yells out the window we know what you did (laughs) okay so the twilly center which was the storefront in front of where the old mall was those parking lots were not combined i know because with my dad's mattress store we were we went that back entrance many times, and that's where our delivery trucks used to go. So, yeah, you would have had to exit the Tooley Center, get onto um, Mount Herman. Yeah, or what was the t- Taylor, um, t- Taylor Road there, and then turn into where the old mall was. So, my God, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can totally see your mom doing it, but I can also see her not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she let's just say she's mellowed out a little bit, like getting older. But the the woman that used to always get speeding tickets growing up, um, she just took that little uh, little gray minivan and just what what happened? He went that way. <laughs> we know what you did, and start. We know what you did. Start quoting scripture. <laughs> I wonder if she remembers that story. I'm sure she does. All I'd have to say is like, we know what you did. She'll probably notice it. She'd be like, oh, we did. (laughs) We knew exactly what he did. Uh, That's why my number two, getting back into the main topic, is Andrew's mom. (laughs) Segway. No, it's it's Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. You didn't get any carrot juice on Mama T, did you? Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew's mom. So Andrew Ryan was the main bad guy of the first Bioshock. And I think why I love him so much is because of the plot twist at the end. So the whole time you're playing the game, you're getting talked to by this guy named Atlas. And he's helping you out. And he's always going, now would you kindly kill these fuckers or something like that. So you play through the whole game. 
thinking you're trying to uh, find whoever's doing this, and you do. You meet him, and it's a guy named uh, Andrew Ryan. So Atlas talks to you, and he says, now you've met Andrew Ryan, the bloody king of rapture, and you find out that Atlas the whole time was Andrew Ryan, and he's been controlling you with the phrase, would you kindly? And I don't know if it's his style, which is like the, I guess like the 1920s. He's got the, the, like the very thin mustache. He's got like the three-piece suit going on. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's just like how well thought out this plan was. I don't know if it's just the plot twist in general. But when he tells you about his story, he has this one catchphrase that he says in the beginning and then he says at the very end. And it's so fitting for uh, the story. And it's, a man chooses, a slave obeys. And then he gives you the would you kindly phrase and you, you bow to his whim. And it's, it's fucking so evil. Such a mind fuck, man. Oh my god, like, it's, it's incredibly fucking evil how this man's been toying with you the entire fucking game that you've been playing. And I think that's why I love him so much, it's just because of just how diabolical and he is. Like, he is controlling you every step of the way, and you don't even realize until the very end. And then he fucking tells you about it. And he's, he's just, he's so badass, he's like, you know what, don't care. You know, would you kindly suck my nuts, is pretty much what he says. Andrew Ryan, definitely my number two for Bioshock. So, John, the people are dying here. I know, I can, I can probably guess what your number one is, because I haven't heard them on the top ten yet. <laughs> but, I want to hear it from your mouth. Who's the number one? So, before we get into my number one, I want to kind of go through just a couple, like a handful of honorable mentions. Guys or girls who... Didn't make my top 10, but if we did like a top 20, would definitely be in there. Um, currently, because I'm still playing through the game, uh, I got to shout out my boy, uh, Jen Sakai from Ghost of Tsushima. Man, his story, the arc of it so far has been absolutely incredible. Kind of sort of a revenge story or you're, you know, you're fighting against the Mongols and trying to free your uncle and do all this cool shit. Man, his, his story so far, I'm absolutely digging. Um, really, really like it. Another one for me is Varric Tethris from the Dragon Age like Kingdom. I think his his first uh, appearance was in Dragon Age Two, and then he's definitely in uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. And man, you talk about like just quirky and quippy characters, man. It is Varric Tethris for sure, and that's the name that I use whenever I'm playing mobile games because I I just I freaking love it so much. Varric Tethris is my dude. He's your favorite resident dwarf and as someone who is five foot eight on a good day um i can relate to small people so and i also just i'll I'll shout out one more here and it's going to be a character from a game that is my favorite in the series final fantasy 10 is my favorite in the series again you can at me later but you might think why don't i have titus or ject or yuna or or even Orin, something like that but man how can you how can you pass up seymour I'm going to just shout him out. He didn't make my top 10, but man, Seymour is just such a character that he's just got that weird kind of cringy voice, at least for me, where he's just like, hi, I'm Seymour and I'm the bad guy of this game. 
But like, you know that he's the bad guy, like from the beginning, you know what his motives are. It's, you know, the whole Final Fantasy trope of world domination, essentially. (laughs) That's just kind of his deal. Yeah, so I'll shout out Seymour. These guys, I wanted to get into my top 10, just couldn't do it, but I'm happy with my list regardless. So, all right, let's get into it. My number one, I'm cheating because it's actually two. They're from the same game, but it is Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us. If you have not played this game, Andrew, I'm looking directly at you. (laughs) Um, Shame on you because this is the game of a generation. It is that goddamn good. Man, what can you say about the story? It is phenomenal. The father-daughter aspect of it, it's post-apocalyptic. There's fucking zombies everywhere. But man, this story makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you angry. It does so many things right. And man, Naughty Dog absolutely killed it with this story. The performances of Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, respectively, as Joel and Ellie, absolutely phenomenal. And even in the part two that came out last year, uh, I said it earlier at the top of the show, like my game of the year for last year, absolutely incredible. But Joel and Ellie, their their story going across the United States, going from Boston, making it to Salt Lake, man, my God, what a just emotional trip that that was. And again, all of the emotions that that made you feel, for sure, that, that game was such an experience that like if I could have amnesia and replay a game again for the first time, like The Last of Us Part 1 is at the top of that list for sure. So that is my number one. Um, if you disagree, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, just my, that's just my top 10. So there we go. That ends my list. Andrew, we'll throw it over to you. What you got, man? So I don't have any honorable mentions. I'm just kind of wrapping it up as I go. Even though it's been suggested I'd say something, I'm not going to say something. But my my number one is going to just completely round off and basically circle back in my top ten to my number ten. And my number ten was Link. My number one is Zelda. Zelda in the Legend of Zelda series has just had such a phenomenal progression and variety of who she is. She started out just like, you know, Mario and Princess Peach. She was the damsel in distress. She was the princess that needed saving in uh, Zelda 1, Zelda 2. But as as it went along, she actually became her own person. She actually had her own story in some spots. In Ocarina of Time, it, it kind of came about that, you know, oh, well... Even after she she didn't become this princess and then became this frail princess like after she grew up and then Link grew up, well she also doubled as this ninja she, and then if you were to go over into other games, um, uh, even like Wind Waker, where, spoiler, the female main character that works along with Link, Tetra, ends up becoming an amnesia ridden Zelda, she's a sassy pirate. Later on, when you actually play games that are more like um, 99 Nights or that like massive, um, Kev, help me out here. What's what's that that like the big fighting platform? Like, cause Hyrule Warriors was basically a playoff of what? I uh, I can't remember. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. Yes. Even with Hyrule Warriors came out, she was a general and. She, she's been able to just be so many different things. In Skyward Sword, she wasn't 
anything but Link's friend, best friend, and a love interest. There, there's so many different parts about her and varieties of how they portrayed her and how they gave her a backstory for each of the games. That it was just, it was refreshing that it wasn't just the same stale Mario, the princess is in another castle. Or here, Mario, here's the princess, you and, uh, that that boss that you've always been trying to fight, what? Just go go karting together. It, it it became that each game that came out every other year or every three years or so had its own fun and unique character base. That Zelda wasn't just some the same bland person. And as it went along, you know, there was more than just Zelda. I mean, you know, there was uh Malin and Marin and uh, Soraya. All the other female characters that that went through, and they were good counterparts to Link in the other games, but Zelda was the one that actually held it together and had this this unique character progression development as the series went along. And I found that refreshing. I, I, I absolutely loved it, and it kept me renewed to enjoy the series. Did you know that Zelda 2 for the NES... Storyline-wise, was the one that set the precedence for Zelda, uh, all future princesses being named Zelda. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that. Uh, it's her brother who sets the law into place uh, during Zelda 2, because uh, she gets put to sleep by an evil wizard, and her brother uh, fears that she's gone, so he sets into law that... Before that, it was like tradition... That's why her name was Zelda, but once she, you know, once he thought the worst, he was like, it's now law that all princesses will be named Zelda. So that's why every iteration is, you know, Zelda. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. But I think it's a, I think it's a good choice, Andrew. I, uh, I did not put any Zelda character on my list, which I know will probably surprise some people, but, um... I don't really do Zelda for the story. I think it has some really good story elements in some of them, but I basically just do it because I think the series is fun overall. Like, I, I love all the games. My, uh, I got some honorable mentions like John did. The only reason why I didn't put this one on my top 10 was because it's more of a create-your-own-character-slash-adventure kind of thing, and it was Shepard from Mass Effect from the trilogy. I think I played through the game like three or four times. I feel like whichever direction you go, it's a really, it's a really good character. But, you know, my experiences aren't going to be the same as some other person's experience. So it's kind of hard to put a creature and adventure kind of person on top 10 for me. But I, I feel like whichever route you go is really, really flushed out. John Marston from Red Dead Redemption, just a fucking great goddamn character. And then in the second one, just continues on with him. Uh, just a fun one that I really love because of his sounds was Glover from the N64 na- uh, game Glover. Uh, it's a, a John, I don't, did John, do you know about Glover? I do not. I'm, I'm so, sorry. Was he white or yellow glove? It's, it's a white remember. glove with a little star on the back of his, uh, uh, so it's literally a glove. It's, um, I, if I remember correctly, it's a wizard's glove that gets turned to life. And so it's only got four fingers. So he walks on the two middle fingers and his hands are the two outer fingers. And since just he's getting in the, shades of uh, the the logo of Hamburger Helper, like that's <laughs> it's, that's pretty much what it's like, except without the clown nose. But yeah. 
So you walk around. So it's so cool watching him walk around. This little glove walking around. But since he's a wizard, he has this ball. And this, this is like the weirdest mechanic ever. You have this ball and you can transform it into four different things. A bouncy ball, a bowling ball, a glass ball, and like a little tin tiny ball. And they all have different mechanics. So you have to go throughout this game using, you know, this different ball to do different shit. And if the ball, like the glass ball would break and then you had to start over. It's a very weird game, but it's, he just makes really fun noises. I, I really love his character design. So that's why his honorable mentions. He's not top 10. He's, he's probably not top 50, but he is. He deserves to be mentioned because not a whole lot of people give him the love. And then my last honorable mention is the boss from Metal Gear Solid 3. Amazing fucking character. Like, another another female who wasn't your normal fucking help me princess female. Not to knock on Andrew Zelda. Obviously, I love Zelda. And she's had her own adventures where she's a fucking badass. Um, the boss was just something else entirely. Like, it was amazing watching her work. But that goes into my number one, which is from Metal Gear Solid 3, Naked Snake. I don't know what it is about him. I love him more. He's naked. I mean, true. I love him more than the original Solid. Well, I guess not the original, but Metal Gear Solid 1 Solid Snake, uh, who eventually goes into Old Snake. Um, I, I, I guess it's just because he's such a badass. Like, the shit he does in that game when he's talking to Ocelot and he talks about Ocelot's revolver. And he's like, you know, oh, no, sorry, not a revolver. He had uh, an automatic. And he's like, Makarov. Yeah. Makarov. He, yeah. He's like, that had shoot, eight shots. Yeah. He's like, when you shoot, you, you twist your wrist. That's like, that's a, that's meant for revolver action. You should probably use a revolver. And then he's talking to the boss and, uh, no, I'm sorry, the boss. Which was it, John? You'll remember. Which, which one was like, you found, you like, you sound like you've lost weight. I think it was the boss talking to the snake or was the snake talking to the boss? Do you remember? Uh, it, it was the boss talking to snake okay. at the beginning because they hadn't like seen each other in a while. She's like, you sound like you've lost weight. And he's like, boss, why aren't you here? <laughs> and Metal then, Gear. And then when he lost his freaking eye, holy Dude, shit, man. One of the coolest scenes in video games bar fucking none. Oh my God. Oh, and the best little... And of course, Hideo Kojima's got to throw in the tiny little fucking details. When you go first person, half your fucking vision yes. is like... Like, not, not half it's of it. It's blurred. But, like, uh, you could probably see 80% and then 20% is, like, blacked out and it's blurred yes. a little bit because you're one it's fucking eyes. blurred. Yeah. Like, holy shit, man. That's more on Hideo Kojima, but just... Uh, Naked Snake in general, just... Everything he does in that game is fucking awesome. He's such a badass. I wanted to be so much like him. Uh, and I knew I never could be just because of how awesome he was. He's definitely my number one fucking pick. Hands down, bar none. Do, do you think that part of his badassness is really just the setting of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater? Like, there, there probably aren't jungles in Russia, but <laughs> that whole game takes place in a Russian jungle. I think a lot of it has to do with the setting. The camo index, like all the different camos and shit that you get. Like, my God, that game is so fucking good. God, I don't know, cause I love like, that game. Because like when he turns into Big Boss, it's even even then he's badass. And then when you play Portal Ops, like he, all yeah. those different things are just like, this is, like he's so awesome. Or five, like God, yeah. his arc and five. <laughs> Everything you play as Solid Snake, I feel like Naked Snake is just 
a better variation of that. Even though they're supposed to be clones, I just feel like Big Boss slash Naked Snake is just does it better. And I don't even know how, but it's 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 fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I right, dude, it's a solid <laughs> solid pick. Pun intended. <laughs> um yeah, that is that is a great pick, man. I absolutely love it. And I'm I'm right there with you. I am actually kind of ashamed of myself that I didn't have Snake at all on my list, but you know, it, it it's and you fine. You mentioned Ocelot. I, I did I did mention Ocelot and because, and I, I love Ocelot as a character and even in the the course of Metal Gear Solid three, I think I mentioned that on the episode that you guys should have listened to before listening to this one. But Ocelot's character arc just in Metal Gear Solid three is freaking awesome. His his young uh, you know, he's a young guy, he's 18, not quite the revolver ocelot that you know in the later games, but man, that game is so damn good. Love it. Definitely made me want to go back and play. I think I mentioned that last time. I was like, I definitely got to go back and play through all the Metal Gear Solid games again. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Crab people. Meryl. Otacon. I'm going to stop this before this entire last 15 minutes of the episode is just us doing fucking Metal Gear Solid voices. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Without doing Metal Gear Solid voices, do you guys have anything to say to the audience before we go ahead and wrap this episode up? War has changed. Andrew? <laughs> no, just... uh. ID tag soldiers carry ID tag weapons. If you have anything that you want to talk with us about, any comments, special concerns, or any, uh... AK-47s and grenades. Any suggestions, you know, hit us up on our uh, social platforms. Um, look at us on Twitter. VGL underscore podcast. John's always checking out our Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> any final comments? <laughs> Yes. No, th- thank you guys for checking us out on uh, you know, Spotify or Apple, Google, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us. So, appreciate the the subs and and the listens. We have a great time and, you know, we're just three goofballs on a Saturday night drinking beer, talking games. So, just appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for the comments that we have received whether you're part of CBC or not. Um, reach out to us though. Please, like if you like our list and uh, or if you don't like our list, if you think there's characters we may have overlooked, shout us out on Twitter. You can blast us if you want. Any sort of media, social media traffic would be appreciated. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sound like an uh, e-beggar over there. We're not desperate, okay? We just want attention, that's all. We just want your carrot juice. I'm desperate. I think that just about wraps up for this episode. So thank you so much for joining us again for this episode. And ooh, hang on. What if what if they do a Metal Gear Solid movie with Walken? Wow, Metal Gear! <laughs> Out of Khan! <laughs> Which character do you think he would play? Ooh. Um it would he's gotta be Snake or Atacon, right? <laughs> oh, look out, Snake! The guys with the stealth suits, they're in the elevator with you. Wow. <laughs> he wouldn't be the colonel on the codec? Oh, man. When oh. He's in Metal Gear Solid 2 when he does the aliens. <laughs> oh, dude. That would be great. I get, can we just say my favorite, one of my favorite moments in Metal Gear Solid 3 
is when you actually equip the, what they call the quote unquote naked camo, which is you just topless. And then you call Sigint and Sigint's like, Snake, what the hell's wrong with you? He's like, you naked? And Snake's like, yeah. He's like, oh, hell no. And then he just hangs up the codec. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. As I was saying, thank you again for listening to this podcast and all the tangents we do. Uh, If you like this episode, please tell your friends, tell your family, get the word out. You know, we're going to keep doing this no matter if we're the only ones listening to it on repeat to get our views up. Well, I guess listens up. One last time, do tweet at us. Let us know what your favorite characters were at VGL underscore podcast on Twitter. And we will see you guys for the next episode. We love you guys. Take it easy. See you later. So if I can interject real quick. Go um, ahead. You were talking about surprises. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to share with my brothers here. Oh my god, are we got another one? That I, I am also expecting to what finish the this drink tonight. Fuck is in the water. It'll be very good. And we're gonna have a fun podcast. Oh my god, we are wow. Something John, in the water. John did, John did you John, did you hear him? <laughs> He's not expecting a child, you fool. <laughs> he's ex- he said he's expecting to drink. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I feel like I just got punked. <laughs> All right, so the bloopers already made. We're golden, son. <laughs> golden? What the hell? You said you were expecting, so I just assumed it was a baby. To finish this drink. <laughs> I was so goddamn excited. Wow. Oh, man. So. Yep, this is on me. That's that's blooper worthy. Holy shit. So we can go to the next segment now of what you're playing besides John's fucking heartstrings. <laughs> Don't do that shit to me, bro. God damn. So, Andrew, pray tell. What, uh, what, have, what have you kept busy with in the past couple weeks? Hold on, we should we should do a better uh, non-laughing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Got him so good. I know he didn't fucking hear. Like he's like, what? <laughs> Something in the water. Something I'm like, in the water. I'm like John. <laughs> John. John, did you hear? I should make him edit this episode. He comes back like a month later. <laughs> Wait, Wait, what? <laughs> what was Andrew's? No, no. <laughs> Of course, by the time the episode would air, he'd be like, hey, guys, guess what? Uh, Em and I are pregnant. (laughs) Like, you fuckheads. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) Got him. The longest, longest blooper we've had ever.